Hello, everyone. Welcome to the CCW Safe podcast. I'm Justin Collett. I'm the content manager for CCW Safe. Today, I'm joined by Mr. Steve Moses. Steve's been a longtime content creator for CCW Safe, as well as an important member of the Firearms Trainers Association, which is a sister company of CCW Safe. And today, we're here to talk about a question we get quite a bit, and that is how do you get into firearms training? How do you get started? And what are the different kind of levels that are available to people um, as far as training goes? Uh, Steve has been a firearms trainer for how many years now, Steve? 30. Yeah, long time. And he teaches all different levels of shooters. So, you know, as someone with that background, um, what's your suggestion when a new shooter comes to you and says, you know, okay, I, I, I've got this gun. You know, maybe I have CCW safe for self-defense, um, how, how do I get into basic firearms training? Well, what I would encourage uh, any person interested in firearms training, especially defensive firearms training, is to ask yourself, what is my initial motivation? Uh, many people will answer, I wanna be able to defend myself and my family. And then if you press them a little bit harder, some of them are a little bit, perhaps it's difficult for them to come up with an answer but usually there's a specific reason. Uh, the specific reason for me was that I captured a burglar armed with a flathead screwdriver in the dark without a flashlight in my apartment many, many years ago. And uh, after the police arrived, I realized that I probably could have gotten myself killed. I wanted to never be in that position again. Uh, to that end, uh, when the opportunity presented itself, to uh, avail myself of defensive training, I took a class at the Texas Pistol Academy in White Wright, Texas. This was 1993. And during that time, I discovered that there was a lot more to defensive training and dealing with the various scenarios that a concealed carrier might find themselves in. So I quickly became educated, found out it was a bit of a calling, and uh, that's my motivation. I would encourage every person interested in carrying a gun to examine that and say, okay, what's my big concern and why am I buying a gun? So one of the things that I see, and I'm a big believer in for people that are buying guns or, or own guns or whatever, is just having a basic proficiency with being able to manipulate that gun. To me, that's the first basic thing if you can't you have to be able to safely handle the gun you have to know how it works and you have to be able you know to shoot it and hit a target reasonably well um, for a lot of the new shooters you see like i'm also a big believer in dry fire that you can do as far as get learning those manipulations you can learn a lot of that um, for the new shooters or people who are just starting in training that you see what are the big areas you see people need to spend time on and work, work on in order to progress? Well, first of all, I always start with understanding what the threat might look like. If you understand what the threat might look like, then you then have an idea of what knowledge, skills, and tools you're gonna to need to have in order to deal with that. So the first thing is get a realistic understanding what a violent criminal attack might look like, especially as it pertains to you individually. Is it from the perspective of an armed homeowner? 
Is it from a concealed carrier? Is it from road rage? Is it just a simple strong arm uh, robbery? Mm -hmm. uh, is it a beat down by multiple persons? Is it a person that's armed with a gun? It could be a number of things. And so I think that's really important to do that. So I agree. I think, you know, if you have a, a reasonable understanding of the situation you may have to address, it certainly feel, you know, drives what you need to be able to do. Um, what are the things that you work on or you would suggest what types of classes, I guess, like to me, you know, a person that hasn't really had much experience in training probably doesn't need to start with a vehicle CQB class. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And, yes. and I think in this Instagram age, some people either get roped into that and maybe they jump into the pool a little deeper than they should. And others may look at that and say, you know, a guy doing an appendix draw in one second or a sub two second bill drill and saying, well, I'm never going to get there. So I'm not even going to waste my time trying to get any training. Um, to me, I think there's a very happy medium in there for most people. So uh, like what are introduction type classes that you suggest people seek out? Uh, there's a couple of different ways that I think that people can approach this. Uh, my number one choice would be to take a basic defensive shooting course from a reputable instructor. And by that, uh, from someone that has been teaching for you know, a lengthy time period, uh, they're qualified, they have a background, and they also have a good reputation as being able to convey adult learning skills. I think that's super important. In that particular class, they should learn why they need to carry their gun, uh, how they may need to use it, and then work on those basic skills, tactics, and techniques that allow them to operate that properly. Uh, that's my first choice. My second choice, if that's not available, uh, due to locale or maybe even just uh, the cost of the classes, would be to start with maybe a basic NRA pistol class. Uh, they have several levels of uh, pistol, you know, there's a multi-tiered uh, pistol program there. And then as soon as possible, go and take that defensive pistol shooting class from someone that is very good at teaching exactly that. Um, something I'm a big believer in is, I think there's kind of a, a I think there's skills and then there's tactics. And then, you know, if you, if you can have all the tactics in the world, but if you can't have the hard skills of being able to hit a target when you need to hit it or hit it quick enough, um, your tactics don't matter if you're in a fight. Um, just like if you have, if you're a USPSA grandmaster and you don't, you know, and your tactics suck, and if you don't make good, smart decisions on either how to get away from something or get out of something or avoid something, you know, then your life's going to be in, you know, a mess anyway. So I, I believe there's a blend of that. And uh, I wanted to get your take on, I'm a big believer in competition, uh, building those hard skills of being able to shoot the gun accurately and quickly. And to me, one of the suggestions I give people is, you know, if you don't want to take a class right away, go out and shoot a steel match. You know, shoot it with a 22 if you want. But it will get you out of your comfort zone of, you know, just standing at an indoor range shooting 20 rounds at a target 
you're going to engage multiple targets. Maybe you'll move a few steps one way or the other. And the other thing is, as, I, as you're well aware, um, that timer adds pressure. Yes. And it, that is a big thing that, because in any self-defense encounter, the pressure is going to be through the roof. But if that's the first time you ever feel that, it's going to be worse than if you had a bunch of experience having to perform on demand under a time standard with a bunch of strangers standing around watching you. Um, what is your opinion on like competition for people looking uh, to get better or to be training or things like that? Uh, I think it's critical. Uh, one of the things I would encourage concealed carriers to do is to take that basic class, be sure that you understand and can abide by the basic firearm safety rules, have a professional show you how to properly grip the mm -hmm. handgun, how to press the trigger when you're on target so you don't move the muzzle, and most importantly, how to handle that handgun. You alluded to earlier in terms of uh, loading it, unloading it, uh, maybe decocking a double action, single action, maybe engaging and disengaging the safety on a single action semi-automatic pistol. Uh, being able to get that gun in and out of the holster safely without endangering yourself or anybody else is a critical skill. As soon as you've had just that very basic knowledge, go shoot a skill a, st a steel match. Mm -hmm. uh, go shoot an IDPA match. Right. Uh, I've assumed that's probably USPSA mm -hmm. matches that will gladly welcome novices. Yep. Uh, one of the things I've always liked about the shooting sports is that the more experienced shooters are typically very, very eager to help beginning shooters. Uh, they realize we're part of the community. They welcome us to the community. They want more of us. They want our numbers to increase. Mm -hmm. I think that is a tremendous way to get your start. The other thing I really like about what you said is that also when you're shooting matches, in order to eventually start, you know, you know, performing at a, an acceptable level, you need to be able to run that handgun almost subconsciously. Yeah. And that is your basic shooting mechanics need to be so sound that you don't have to give a lot of thought to, okay, I need to grip that gun. I need to squeeze both little fingers. I need to join my hands in back. I need to put my finger on the trigger when the sights are on the target, take the slack out, etc., etc. You want all that to just be subconscious. That then frees your mind to deal with what you would call the problem, which is going to be the stage itself. Because I guarantee if any of us find ourselves face to face with a violent criminal attacker, uh, we're very much going to spend a lot of time on seeing, perceiving, assessing, and choosing the, you know, the correct response. And if you have to add in the fact that I really don't know if I'm going to fumble this draw, uh, I don't know if I'm going to get a good grip. I don't know if I'm going to hit this target. Uh, that's way too much pressure, I think. Yeah, I agree, 100%. And I've I've heard people from all different levels, uh, but especially um, higher level military units that focus on a lot of CQB work. Is that's one of the biggest things they talk about is being able to have that run in the background. It's referred they constantly refer to it as processing speed or processing power of, you know, you only have so much bandwidth, everyone's different. So, you know, you have to be able to take in all this information, make all these decisions, 
you know, I, you enter a room, is that a threat? Is that not a threat? You know, where should I, where do I have to go? All those things, and they're happening at the speed of, you know, instantly. So being able to have those, you know, if you make the decision, you know, okay, engage that threat, you're not exactly thinking about, okay, well, I have to raise the gun, I have to press the gun exactly. out, you know, all that happens. And a great deal of that for most, you know, normal average people can be done in dry fire. So, you know, going back to dry fire, just something like as simple as drawing the pistol. Like, you know, how important do you think it is for, you know, all shooters, but especially newer shooters, to kind of get those reps in early um, through dry fire instead of thinking they're going to go out. And even if they're going to take a class, you know, you're not going to get a whole lot of reps in a class because you're trying to get points across and, you, you know, things like that. You know, the, the class teaches you what to train yourself with. You know, mm -hmm. hopefully, most good instructors, I feel like, will teach a student, these are the things you need to work on so that when you come back to that class, you are better than when you left, and he can now build on to that of, okay, now that you have this mastered, this allows you to kind of do these other things. Um, so what is your feeling about uh, dry fire and new shooters and basic manipulations and things like that? Well, like I said, I've been doing this for 30 years, and I still dry practice two to four times a week. Yep. Uh, I don't spend a lot of time out there. Ten minutes is max, and basically I make sure I have an unloaded handgun, no ammunition in the room or in the vicinity. Uh, I have my target, if you will, that's backed by something that's impervious to bullets. That is, bullets are not going to penetrate it, so they might represent a threat to someone else. And my objective there is to draw my handgun from a concealed holster, establish a good grip, do a good presentation, and bring that pistol up to my eye line, out, take the slack out of the trigger when the sights are on the target, and either press the trigger or stop right there. What I'm doing there is I'm perfecting my gun handling skills. Now, the problem for I'm sure maybe you've been this way, is that if you don't know how to do it correctly, then dry practice, all that does is cause that to embed and then that becomes your default. And it takes a lot of subsequent remedial practice in order to replace that. And I've done that multiple times, you know, over the, my, my time as a, uh, you know, farms practitioner, user, and instructor. Get that instruction, make sure you know how to do it, there is a tremendous amount of information out on YouTube. Uh, CCW Safe has put out some great videos. Uh, JJ Ricaza has put out some information. We've got a lot of really good, fantastic instructors in the FTA mm -hmm. that are also members of the CCW Safe. They put out some great video. Take your class, then consult those videos, and then make sure that your practice is as close to perfect as it can be, and then do that perfect practice. Uh, I'm also a big believer uh, that even if you're at an advanced level, these skills are very perishable. And if you decide, okay, I'm where I need to be, I don't need to do this anymore, uh, then next time you actually go out to the range, maybe three months, six months, or a years later, you're gonna find out that you've got about a 50% degradation in your performance. And what dry practice does is not only allow you to refine those skills, perfect those skills, but maintain those skills. 
Yeah, I agree, 100%. I think that's vital for people. One thing I would like to talk about um, is one of the biggest hurdles for people trying to get into firearms training is this industry has no barrier to entry. There is no organization that says this person is qualified to be a firearms trainer. The things that they teach are good to go. It's the Wild West. And so as a, I've seen new shooters come in and, uh, you know, they, there are some, some trainers, some organizations out there that feed on that. So uh, what, how, how does somebody find a, a, a good trainer? In my opinion, like what I've started telling all new shooters is after taking Tom Gibbons' course and seeing his background and his history, um, in my opinion, his program of instruction is perfect for new shooters, you know, people that want to learn basic self-defense. Um, so any, any more, that's what I tell people. Like if you're a new shooter and you're just looking to get basic firearms training, find a Givens course or, or find one of his instructors. You know, he has a big network of instructors. And to me, like that is a good place to start. There are lots of great instructors out there. Don't get me wrong. Um, and we'll talk about some more that I have personal experience. Steve does too. But uh, what is your opinion as far as Givens program and, and, and newer shooters or, you know, people just looking to have a good self-defense foundation? Well, I'm going to have to completely bear pretty much everything that you said. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been a part of the Range Master community since 1999. I've taken four of the uh, five uh, instructor courses. I'm getting ready to take the fifth one in December. And there is a master list of Range Master certified instructors that people can Oh, I'm not, not sure the best way to go at it. Uh, one of the things that I've done on behalf of FTA and CCW Safe uh, on many times is when asked if I could recommend a firearms trainer in their area, uh, I'll simply resort to that master list. And I can typically give, like in a state of Texas, I could probably give 40 or 50. Mm -hmm. uh, I can virtually find one of those instructors that have been certified by the range master program in virtually every state. And one of the things that a lot of people don't know is just that the basic instructor program, which you recently attended and mm -hmm. shot very well, performed very well, you were one of the highest performers in that class. That's a three-day class and not all of it is on the range. Yeah. Much of it has to do with A, making sure that all of those instructors themselves can shoot at an acceptable level, demonstrate that they can, and then a good portion of it is spent on teaching adult learning principles, along with a lot of the things that happen during a violent criminal attack and how people can prepare for those in advance. I kind of like going back to that OODA loop, which is observe, orient, decide, act. Uh, what we want our students to do is we want them to be able to observe things very quickly by remaining alert, uh, being very, very aware of their surroundings at all times, maybe even heighten that awareness in certain instances. 
Uh, we want them to be able to proceed and then orient towards that target. Uh, that is, process what they're seeing and then decide what to do and then act. And if you take this kind of training, what happens is you can work through that loop faster than your attacker. So if, you know, some person has decided to, they're going to attack me, well, they've already gone through three quarters of the loop. They're all the way to act. By the same token, if I observe that and I take an action that they hadn't anticipated, they have to observe and then orient and decide what to do. And by that time, I've gotten myself already through deciding what to do based upon how I've been trained and then acting. The other thing that's really important about a class through the Range Master Group, and it's probably true for others, is that they put a lot of importance on really understanding the use of force when you can and you can't use force and the importance of never using more force than is appropriate with the understanding that there's going to be certain times when a lethal force response is the only viable option and if that's the only option then that's what we need to not able to select uh, not to select as the best action but act upon it and act upon it effectively yeah, that's a great point too is that a lot of classes that i've personally been to by kind of national level trainers and things like that um, especially pistol classes they are more geared towards building those hard skills and um, being better, being faster, drawing faster, um, shooting faster, being able to move and shoot. Um, and they are not focused on self-defense. They are not focused on, like, even ones from concealed carry where you work from concealed carry and things like that. I've really never heard anybody talk about use of force. You know, it's more about how you shoot. There's nothing involving when should you shoot or, or things like that. And that's the thing I really like about Range Master and, and Tom's course in, in particular is he gets into that and he explains that, you know, part of the, the, the thing a, a person has to deal with is you, you have to be able to make decisions under stress and be situationally aware enough to take in the information that's going to allow you to make you the best decision possible in that deal. So that's just one thing in this training world that uh, you need to be aware of is that it goes back to the very beginning of what Steve said. What are you wanting to get out of it? What is your purpose? You know, and you don't have to have just one. You, you can do multiple things. You know, I think it's important to have a base foundation of something like a Givens class where you get both, you get how to shoot and then the use of force portion of it in it. And there's other people out there that do similar courses. I think that's a great foundation to start from. And then if you want to build more, if you want to work on skills, shooting faster, shooting on the move, things like that, um, there are places to go out there and do that. And that's part of the hardest thing with this training is there's really no set thing. And everybody's going to offer you something, and they're all, to a certain extent, they're all selling slots. They're selling their time. They're trying to fill their classes. So um, it's kind of on the student to do their research, figure out what they want out of a course, and then pick accordingly. And 
to me, I've been doing this for over 25 years now, taking courses and shooting, doing some teaching. But it's kind of a journey in that you really don't know what you don't know. And whenever you're in that situation, at some point you kind of just got to jump in and the more you do it, the more experience you build for yourself, you'll be able to see, look at something and say, okay, that looks interesting. I can probably get something out of that. Even if there is a part of that that I don't need, you know, this part I'm interested in learning. Um, is that your experience as well? Is that as you build some experience as a student, it allows you to kind of narrow your focus and get be a little more specific about what oh, you're actually, looking for? Actually, I, I, I recommend that. Understand if defensive shooting is the thing that you're most concerned about, understand how to do that, at least the foundational part of it. Now, let's talk about that. So, okay, a part of it's going to be mindset. A part of it's going to be tactics. A part of it's going to be skill and a part of it's going to be equipment. Mm -hmm. Okay, equipment, first of all, make sure you have good equipment. And uh, just if you, there's plenty of articles. We have articles yeah. on the CCW Safe uh, website under the news section on selecting equipment. Okay, you don't need the, you know, a $3,500, yeah. you know, heavy, you know, bull barrel gun with a compensator, et cetera. Yeah. You need a good working tool. You need a good holster. You need good magazines. You need to use decent ammunition. Okay, so that's readily, pretty easy. Okay, the skill part, okay, that to me is separate in many instances from the defensive shooting part is because I need to have those skills. So if I understand I need to have this mindset, I'm aware and I am willing to fight, I need to go home, there's people that depend upon me, I understand basic tactics, okay, simply by that I mean, okay, what can I do to avoid that scenario? What can I do to de-escalate that scenario? What can I do to cause perhaps that other person to be deterred? And then finally, what can I do to defend myself? Okay, that comes back into the skill side. And I take, I, I've taken over 100 courses, I really need to log it. Uh, I had 1,600 hours, 1,600 training hours in 2001 that I logged and turned into TCOL. And I've trained just as heavily since then. And uh, I've taken a lot of performance classes because the skills are skills. And those, you know, master, grandmaster, USPSA skills, I would love to have that if I had everything mm -hmm. else in place. And in a lot of those defensive, you know, shooting courses, okay, hey, we're looking at practical shooting, okay? The performance size, this is where you get pushed. This is where you get quicker. This is where you shoot more accurately. This is where you learn how to shoot on the move. Mm -hmm. uh, this is where you learn how to engage multiple targets. And one thing a lot of people don't realize is that a single person can actually be a multiple target when you think about it. Oh, sure. Because he's not gonna stand there, okay? So he's moving. He may be doing, he may be, you know, aggressing on you. He may be trying to flank you. Okay, I need to be able to engage that moving target, which is basically not that much different than engaging multiple, multiple targets yep. and everything. So just took a skills course this last weekend from uh, Jeff Gonzalez. That's great. Uh, coming out here uh, next month to take a uh, practical pistol and an emergency medicine course from FTA member Shane Kerwin, former Special Forces. Uh, 
taking another course from Tom. I'm doing this all the time. I would encourage everyone to do it. And if you're kind of like me, and I actually know that you are, uh, this is fun. Mm -hmm. I, I enjoy this. Uh, I enjoy knowing that I'm competent, which gives me confidence. But by the same token, just the networking that joining this community has uh, provided for me has been incredible. And not only have I learned, uh, not have I met some really great people, but they've introduced me to stuff I didn't even know I needed to know, mm -hmm. which is how I kind of got hooked up with uh, Craig Douglas, mm -hmm. Cecil Birch. I mean, I've been down a whole lot of things. So didn't say that very well, but my point being, this can become a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It's a concealed carrier lifestyle. And in many ways, uh, just that feeling of confidence and knowing that when I see something up ahead that causes me a little concern, I act upon it. And for that reason, my life has been relatively uneventful for, you know, my entire adult life when it comes to having to deal with any dangerous encounters. And you make a good point there that um, it is a community. And, and there's, I've met a lot of great people over the years through this. And, and there is that, you know, you can go as deep down the rabbit hole as you want to go in, in as many different types of training. Uh, like I, I got into night vision, so I've been to some night vision courses. And will I ever need to shoot anything under nods with a carbine with a laser on it? No, I never will. But I enjoy it. It's fun. And, and there are some things I can take away from that just basic weapon handlings, you know, moving in less than perfect conditions, you know, there's always things you can take away. But, you know, at the same time, I don't want members to take away and they think that, like, you know, they go, well, that guy's got 1,600 hours of training. I don't have 1,600 hours. And that's not what we're saying. You know, it's just, it's there if you want it. But um, to wrap this up, kind of, I'll give my take and then I, I would love to hear yours for a, a newer shooter that's wanting to gain some proficiency and some knowledge and some skill. I would say search out just off the top of my head. And the easiest answer I can give people is a range master instructor and take their basic pistol course um, one day, two day, however much time. Uh, if nothing else, there's a, somewhere in your area is probably a local indoor range that will teach a basic pistol course, which will teach you how usually to draw and, and shoot a gun within reason. Um, and I'm breaking this down, you know, is to the lowest level I can kind of. But if I was going to have a friend of mine do it, I would have them find a, a range master course, probably a two-day course, and just take the weekend invest you know two days in yourself and the few hundred dollars 500 600 whatever it costs at that base level and then do dry fire work on dry fire like steve said 10 minutes two to four times a week if somebody does dry fire and i see them out on the range if i have 10 guys i can instantly after 10 minutes point to the guy who dry fires it's that obvious it makes that big of a difference so basic course from a range master instructor, dry fire, and then I would suggest if you can, get out and shoot a couple matches a year. 
whatever IDPA, USPSA, steel. And if you just do that, you know, you're talking less than five or 10 days out of the year and only two of them full days, you know, you will be better than 90% of people that carry a gun. And that includes people that carry a gun for a living. Cops, military, with a handgun. It's just, so what, what is your opinion? Like if you were gonna tell, guy comes to you and says, hey, I want a plan. I, I, wanna, I wanna be better, I wanna be proficient. What do you tell them to do? Uh, pretty much the same thing as you. Uh, get that foundation, make sure at some point, earlier is better, get into that defensive pistol class, because here's the deal. If you can get just some fundamental basic skills and you understand the other side of dealing with potential threats, both in the public or at home, and you're able to position yourself correctly, decide what the proper action to take is, and with those basic skills, your chances of defending yourself have gone up astronomically. And I would ask each of us to give some consideration as to what is the law enforcement response time in your area if you call 911 because at that point someone's trying to kick down your door. So do you want to rely on the police to come and save you? It's not going to happen. Or wouldn't it be better to have that knowledge and your loved ones who are there with you know it that, you know what, I have the tools and the skills and I have the mindset to deal with this and I will deal with it. And that in and of itself is just, it's life changing. If you go down this path, I guarantee your life is gonna change and it's gonna change for the better. And one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is that when we have these skills and we understand the responsibility, accountability, liability we have, guess what? Uh, we think twice about getting into situations in which we're gonna have perhaps a contentious encounter with another person. We don't get in those arguments. We get quicker at saying, oh, my bad, I'm sorry, excuse me, uh, didn't mean to do that, uh, apologize. It's not like, oh, we're giving up. No, no, no. We know, we know we can take care of ourselves, but we don't have to. And I think that's just critically important. I agree, 100%. Um, to wrap it up, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, we're on the same page in the fact that, you know, we've got about 50 years of training between us, doing different things, focusing on different parts sometimes, is, you know, crawl, walk, run, and if, even, even if you don't want to run, get a basic foundation and just maintain it. And you will be so far ahead in life. One other thing I wanted to mention before we wrap up is that one of the other benefits of getting out and training and get around other people um, is that it's a cool feeling. It's a nice feeling of accomplishment. Like it builds confidence for, you know, I've seen a lot of people that one of their things is they, they don't want to commit to going out to a training class because, or especially I hear this for competition a lot. Oh, I'll just embarrass myself. And I'll tell everybody, if you are safe, that's it. If you're unsafe, yeah, you, you're, there's a short leash for that. You cannot be unsafe and do these things. As long as you are safe, everyone, I've never experienced anybody 
laugh at somebody else in a course that was safe and they were trying and they were struggling. You know, I've never seen anybody go, oh, that guy sucks. He shouldn't be here. That's true. I've never seen that. I've seen people say, hey, let me take them aside and like, try this, do this, you know, try to guide them. Now, if you're unsafe, it's completely opposite. If you're unsafe, they'll run you out as they should. But if you are making a legitimate effort and you're a safe shooter, I've never seen anybody give any kind of negative reinforcement. Have you? I mean, uh, no. And uh, here's the other thing that causes me to be a huge advocate of competition, especially when you're starting out, is competition is stressful because we don't want to look bad. We want to perform. We want to be, you know, we want our peers to approve. So that puts us under stress. Wow, that was stressful. I'm going to do it again. And then guess what happens? Over time, every time our stress level becomes less and less and less. And if somebody is uh, accosting you and you think that they may be physically capable of injuring or killing you, they have the uh, intent and they have the opportunity, you don't think that's not going to be stressful? So that ability to manage stress and learn to manage it is something that's a huge benefit from competition. And one of the reasons that I compete is just because I want to put myself under that stress. And one other thing going back to that is, uh, and I've seen it before and personally myself, is anybody that shows up to a class or anybody that goes to a local match or, or anything like that, if they're there, they instantly start with a place of respect from me personally. They got off the couch, they, they got out there, and it's easy to tell a lot of times, you know, maybe their gear's not all sorted out, maybe they have some poor choices in certain areas, but that's how you learn. And just the fact of getting out there and showing up, uh, to me, in my experience, that puts them ahead of the vast majority of people who have high opinion and low commitment. You know, it's easy to sit there and judge everyone and have an opinion on, oh, well, that, that's terrible, that's stupid, why would you ever do that? It's easy to do that. But, you know, to have the commitment to go out and actually spend your time and effort and trying to better yourself, uh, to me, I mean, I'll be honest with you, when I go to a class, I feel good about that. It's like, hey, you know, I'm out here, I don't know everything, you know, and, and I'm not going to do everything. I know I'm not going to do everything perfect. But, you know... So I think that's a big part of training and competition that I hope people will understand is that, you know, don't worry about what some person you've never met and will never met on the Internet may say if you post a picture at a class or something like. And that's a thing that people deal with today in this in this era of social media. Right. So, you know, just understand that if you show up, you're already ahead of the game of all those people that will never show up. I have a question for you. Uh, is there somewhere uh, in your residence a big Tupperware box of holsters? 100%. Okay. Uh, holsters, mag pouches, belts. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. So both of us went through this extensive trial and error uh, period of where we're trying to find out what gear works and what gear doesn't work. If you go to a match and your stuff doesn't work or it doesn't work well for you, you'll often see gear that will work for you 
as worn and basically demonstrated for your benefit by someone mm -hmm. else. Yep. So that's also, we've had a lot of students that come through our classes. We teach a lot of church security team classes that come in there and their gear is just, uh, the holsters won't hold the gun, uh, the holsters aren't safe, the holsters bulge out, you know, uh, like they've got like a telephone, I mean like the old time telephone yeah. under their shirt and they're like going, oh wow, where'd you get that holster? Or someone would say, hey, I might recommend this holster to you. You see them use it, you see guns that work all the time, you see guns that don't work all the time, and basically it can probably save a new concealed carrier from likewise ending up with that big Tupperware bin full of holsters. Yep, and I can, I can attest to this personally, because uh, I've been down kind of both roads. I, uh, for the shooting, you know, that was all I knew to do starting back in the 90s was you just, you bought stuff, you tried it. You know, I, would, I was in the USPSA real heavy, and you, you would, and even there, like certain things would work for certain people, wouldn't work for me, things that work for me, they wouldn't like. The only way you learn, build that experience is you just gotta go out and do it. And also by doing that, you can cut out a lot of, you know, the middleman kind of. But I got into night vision a couple of years ago. And that is unbelievably confusing because <laughs> you can find an expert that will say X. And you can find an expert with almost the same resume from the same background that will say X is terrible. You should never do that. Why? Right. Use Y. And this goes for everything from what actual uh, nods to buy, to mounts, to helmets, to ear pro. And it's, it's just this terribly horrible thing of, you know, and the other thing is there's also the, mo the motive of a lot of these people are trying to sell you something at the same time they're trying to give you free information, you know, and it's that way in the gun industry too, of course. But, you know, the difference is you can go out and you can spend basically five to six hundred dollars on any duty kind of gun and if you find out that you know i don't like a sig i like a glock well you can sell whatever one and you may lose a hundred bucks on it when you start talking about night vision and your initial purchase is going to be ten to twelve thousand dollars for these goggles that are not easy to resell and are right. not easy like th that's a big hurdle and so i went through all that purchased an item, and it's fine, it's good, it served me well, but then I went to a class, and I did it backwards. I went to the class after I got the stuff, and I learned a lot of things. Um, I found out that most of my stuff is good, but I also found out that if I had it to do over again, I would have not bought what I bought. Right. I would have I would have paid probably $1,000 more and bought something else. Um, but, so that's a long-winded way to say, like, it's a good idea, go out to a class, go out to a match when you're early in this. Right. And take the benefit of all the hundreds of years of experience around you. And that's not to say everything's gonna work for you or be perfect, but you can get some good ideas. Like, you're not going to go out and see many experienced guys using a Serpa holster. And there's a reason for that. 
and it's that's just one of those things that um, you know a, a training class or even matches can can help. I, I wish to if I like I said I wish to God and I, I should have known better. I should have known better. We don't know what we don't you know, know, right? It's like I, I should have known better, and I fell into the trap <laughs> of you know it's how do you learn? You learn from hopefully experts or people like that. And the thing of it is, none of those, none of them are necessarily wrong, because for what they do and the things they look for, it is the optimum choice for them. But if you don't have the experience to know, you know, well, what they're doing is not what I want to do or what I need. So just that's also part of it going into this training thing is understand that not everything's going to be a home run. You may go out there and you may take a class and you may go, wow, this is, yeah, I missed on this one. This is probably not the best option I could have picked. But just understand that's part of it. That's yes. as valuable as going to a class and saying, I 100% love everything about this. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's as valuable taking away those things that, yeah, this wasn't what I needed. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. And just take advantage, you know, of the opportunities to gather all that information in a relatively short amount of time because sometimes it took me years to get to the point that I wanted to because the road I took mm -hmm. was so crooked in terms of, okay, I'm going to try this gear, I'm going to try this holster, I'm going to try this technique. There's some great information out there, uh, and I go, I'm a broken record when I say, go to CCW Safe, go to the news link. I don't know, what is there? Hundreds, um, hundreds of articles. There's hundreds of articles there that cover Pretty. all sorts of topics, including some, you know, that are use of force, yeah. uh, legal, uh, some of the things that you may encounter if you're involved in a shooting, what you can expect happen. Uh, Sean Vincent and uh, Don West have done a great podcast series covering cases yeah. of uh, lessons learned for concealed carriers. All that information is there. So... We're in, living in a gold time for this information. It's, uh, I'm fortunate to still be here to take advantage of it. Well, Steve, is there anything you want to wrap up with? We, I appreciate you coming out here. And to me, this has been a very important topic I've wanted to talk about for a long time. And you've been a perfect guy to sit down with. Well, I very much appreciate it. And it was a challenge to me. You know, I kind of had all my little notes organized on what I want to cover. And then... Not only did you ask great questions, but you provided answers, you know, also. And, uh, man, I just appreciate you having me. All right. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you for joining us, everyone. We hope you stay tuned, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.